1: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: One game to go across the NFL for week one as Seattle hosts Denver. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Guys, have we learned our lesson based on bad teams playing well in week one. Are we doubting Seattle way too much going into this game? Oh, I, I said it.
0: Probably. I said it at said the end of last week.
2: week. I'm like, I bet this thing is coming right down to the wire.
0: And well, then Seattle's going to have a chance to pull off the shocking upset in week one.
1: I'm praying not because I told you guys about this knockout pool yeah. that Titans media are having. And I changed off of Baltimore against the Jets because everybody had Baltimore against the Jets. Like 85%. I thought this is Titanic if, 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 if the, Jets, if the win, Jets win. You're good. So I got off of it, and I took San Francisco. Oh. So with about oh. six minutes left in that game, I went over to and the that, guy running so good. it, and I threw him another $10, and I said, uh, Denver, tomorrow night. <laughs> so um, I'm in it the second time, but this is the only entry I can have. So I, I could conceivably, <laughs> if Seattle wins tonight, be 20 bucks in and it'll be done on the first weekend on two games.
2: On two games that but seem that's like another locks.
1: reason why the state of league is so good. I use that as evidence all the time. I, I I do think, Chad, I mean, personnel wise, Seattle is nowhere close to Denver on so many levels. Now that doesn't mean I mean, I think the Titans are a lot better personnel wise than the Giants. It doesn't mean you can't you can't win. But uh, how many of these can we it's have? In week one, weekend? one.
0: It's week one. Everyone believes in week one. Geno Smith is quoted as saying, "This is going to be the great hero rising story of of uh, the NFL." He said,
1: he said, "Hero rising again." And I thought to myself, "When, when was, has Geno Smith risen the first when time? When has Geno Smith been a hero?" That <laughs> yeah, was what I, my initial thought was, down you for have to minute. first be the hero.
0: <laughs> right. No no one really ever liked you. So you got first... punched by some undrafted free agent. And, I mean, that, that's not what right. – if you're a quarterback that people like, you he's don't step the undrafted games. free agent on a payment and get punched in the face. And then that guy loses right. his job so because first of – that's not a hero move, Gene. He's
1: casting himself as a hero. No one's hero. Then he's casting <laughs> himself as a fallen hero. Then he's giving himself a chance to rise again. It's a like great. This is. It's, a, it's
0: a tale as old a lot as time. lot packed
1: into this one sentence.
0: <laughs> hero falls. You think he's dead? Hero rises
1: again. Three words. Hero rises again, and we've just broken that down the tale into old as a time. real crumbly castle.
2: Maybe he's uh, alluding to a first and second half performance tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Every single game is going to be the tale as old as time. It's
0: going to be hero falls, he rises, he falls again. Yeah, then there's going to be a, be a hero, small like said, the uprising, one. then he's going to fall again. And the Seahawks will be 3-14. Well, if
1: Seattle wins this game tonight, Geno Smith is going to have very little to do with it outside of not turning the ball. up. They're going to play great defense, and Penny is going to run like a maniac like he did in the last five or six games last night. More likely, uh, he gets hurt. In the fir- in the first <laughs> yeah. two series of the game, says somebody who drafted him in two leagues off of those last six games last year. Uh, I mean, listen, Geno Smith has to do something because the team's built also around Metcalf and Lockett. Uh, that's that's what's bewildering about the team. If if they want to be a defensive run the ball team,
2: and then they
1: should have dealt Metcalf.
2: Agreed. And instead, they said, "No, we're we're keeping them. We're not trading you." Heroes rise again. Yep. Another hero. Let's make shirts. I'm intrigued by it. Just the the Russell Wilson return. And I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Also,
1: look, they're due. These are other dangerous words. They're due. But Thursday night game stunk. And Sunday night game really stunk. So... Yeah,
0: that game last night was was bad. Uh, I totally agree. At least Thursday night, there was some intrigue for a little while in that game, I felt like, until Buffalo pulled away late
1: i'll talk i'll take some intrigue for a lot of while for 500 please
2: oh if, if anyone doubted that brady's into the season it took two instagram posts to prove how empty he is about all this <laughs> i mean the pre-game post-game he yes. had his video crew with him uh the, it's with a, the announcement sca- season 23 again uh the dude's not playing unless he's all in um, you can hit us up by the way on Twitter at, at Outkick Three Sixty or on YouTube.
0: Uh, Big Red points out says, To be fair, Chad, IK Inim Kapali was drafted in the sixth round. <laughs> Not an undrafted guy just, who punched like Smith. an undrafted. Chad, guy. stop I said, discounting me. I said my apologies. He's out of the league. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm also laughing at a retweet from from Kirk Herbstreet where someone says, <laughs> You still love Nebraska in the West? And he put, I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: God. Did Kirk move back to Columbus or not? Can we get a verdict on that? I don't
2: know. Uh, I, I, that's, I know somebody who I've would know. I'm going to text him. My guess is he has homes in both.
1: Yeah, but he lives I in bet, one
2: of them. I'm willing to bet Kirk Street has multiple homes. <laughs> if, I had that, to, yeah.
0: if I had to put my hard-earned money on it, I'd say that man has multiple homes.
2: Um, Scott Frost is always going to have a home in Lincoln, Nebraska. And while well, you say, well, they just fired him. Well, they fired him. Without waiting until October 1st when the buyout significantly drops. Chad, because of the buyout structure, were you surprised they fired him after Nebraska lost this weekend to Georgia Southern? I I was surprised initially when I saw the news yesterday.
0: Um, There's also something very comical about it being throwback night against Georgia Southern. And Scott Frost is the head coach in his last game, and he's wearing that just almost comical Herbie Husker cartoon (laughs) On his sweatshirt. And I'm thinking, this once the game kicked off and I saw him wearing that, I did not tell Angie this because I didn't want to set it down a bad path, but I'm thinking, this this has Derek Dooley on a stool (laughs) with the crutches written all over it in his final stand at Tennessee that wasn't even a stand because he couldn't stand because he was on crutches Uh, when he had that just awful, it was a cartoon character on there. Now... At least, the,
2: at least Tennessee let him get the crush well, because at one time he was just in a wheelchair. Yes, exactly.
0: It's Well, he was up in the uh, press box for Georgia one game against Southern Mississippi State. Georgia Southern looked really great. Georgia Southern looked great against a terrible Nebraska defense. They looked great. And Nebraska helped make them look great. But no, they had some shifty little guys that could not be tackled in that game for Georgia Southern. Now, on to Scott Frost. It did surprise me. A couple things at play here. One, I think Nebraska is saying, with that new Big Ten television deal, $7.5 million really isn't that much money for us. And they may believe we still have a roster capable of getting bowl eligible if they just believe in anything. And clearly, this guy is poison right now running the program. And not a single player has any confidence. So we have to go with another Nebraska alum, Mickey Joseph, who they just brought back from LSU, played quarterback. Under Tom Osborne back in the day, maybe he can be the guy that can give this team a new attitude, new personality, and they can win a few games this year, win five more games and get bowl eligible. I also think it's this is a big week for Nebraska, Oklahoma coming to town. There's a lot of ceremonies planned around weekends like this. A lot of people coming back home. Tom Osborne is going to be in the house. It is incredibly awkward. If Scott Frost is your quarterback this or your, or your coach this weekend, it really
1: would be awkward he's, if he's your quarterback. He's not
0: going to be invited on any of the pregame shows like most head coaches would be, or he would not go on it if so. Uh everything around the program would have a fog over it if he was still the coach knowing that he was a dead man walking. Third thing I'd like point I'd like to make about this, I think Trev Alberts sort of gave the guy a break in doing this. Just giving him the seven point five million, not waiting until October first in a clear move to just save seven point five million for the university and not give it over to Frost. I think everyone knows it at that point when they lost to Georgia Southern. Scott Frost knows it. So if this was anyone else and not the proud son of Nebraska who won a national championship under Tom Osborne, who came back home, who also, by the way, took the salary cut after the season. And bet on himself, and it failed, but because he did all of that, fired all of his friends,
1: I think Nebraska cut him a bit of a break. Can't you create a GoFundMe for him? Look, I understand that that's not a lot of money for them, but it's a lot of money. You can put that money to actual use. There are hungry people in Nebraska. There are students that need scholarships in Nebraska. There, There are a lot of good causes in Nebraska, but... Beside an exceptionally soft landing for Scott Frost, who already has a soft landing well, with the buyout on October 1st.
2: But you're looking at it rationally. The, the, <laughs> those same yeah. students would say, I'd rather pay tuition if you'll fire Scott Frost. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean,
0: <laughs> this fa- is not fair, a... Fair, <laughs> It's not an overly... I will pay
2: my tuition. <laughs> my it's also, it's,
0: it's a very um, emotionally tied in <laughs> university and fan base. In that, when you're one of their own, like you're you're in, yeah. Like it I, mean, is,
1: I mean, at a certain I, I point, you have to, a, to be out.
0: I talked to they a just lot of Nebra- out. Well, there, but there's not. He's not, not in. But, he's Paul, they, like, but they kept him because Again, he's their you're own. speaking rationally. Like most of America, especially in the Northeast where you're from, they're like, "Get this guy the bleep out of town," and would be you know heckling him at games. Nebraska has sold out games for like 45 consecutive years. That game on Saturday night was sold out to watch them lose to Georgia Southern, a Sun Belt team. He was fired. This is not a rational fan base. But he
1: still was fired. Like They understand what firing means, He got right? fired,
0: but in firing him, they gave him a break. <laughs> they gave him $7.5 million because he's a proud son of Nebraska. Again, I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just telling you that I talked to my wife and her family. They all feel awful for Scott Frost. They're thinking, I just feel so bad for the guy that he comes home and he fails. Like it feels, I feel terrible for him that this was going to be his big moment to come back home and win and he lost. Whereas 95% of fan bases would just be saying,
1: that Why works.
0: did our school pay this guy this much money and pay $3 million in buyout money to UCF to bring him over and then to lose like this and to experience so many heartbreaking Saturdays? They just don't think that way. Right or wrong, it's a different it's a breach. What names
2: have you immediately heard?
1: I want to go there and educate them.
0: Um, Matt Campbell would be the big He's one not going from there. Iowa State. Well, you say that. He's turned down overtures before, but that was before the Big 12 was possibly falling apart. Well, I should the say. The way college football is headed into the two-conference two system. Let me
1: interrupt myself. I immediately say somebody's not going there. But considering they let you land softly on a big, fluffy pillow, if you fail, maybe it's a more appealing job than I think.
0: Well, But he- you're not
1: one of their own. So if you're a Nebraska person and you're invited to take the job, you should take it immediately.
2: Um, I, w- I would take any job if it's a college football head coaching position in the Power Five right now. If I'm not, you get paid to fail, and if you're not in the Power Five, especially, but can't Matt
1: Campbell wait and get in uh, one of the two conferences?
0: There are some really good. Take Matt Campbell. But he would be there, all right. That's why you go to Nebraska. I'm not saying Matt Campbell's going to leave. He's got a great cushy contract at Iowa State too. But take him aside. There could be some people that are going to have opportunities, but are may about to be get fired somewhere else. I'll give you one. How great would Matt Rule be? That's
1: the number one
0: as a hire with what he did at Temple and Baylor, if he wanted to get back into the college game, a cushy gig, and get a huge contract, if things continue to fall apart in Carolina, Matt Rule is a call I'm making. I'll give you another one. Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson's 64 years old. That would give me some pause because they hired an old coach in Mike Riley, and it didn't work out at Nebraska. But that is a program builder and sustainer at TCU. He's currently a special assistant To the head coach at Texas. That's what Cutcliffe was going to do. Right. So I think he would be a play. He's flirted with Nebraska in the the past. Here's one for you. You want to go to a football school and get away from a basketball school? Hello, Mark Stoops. If I'm Nebraska, I'm calling Mark Stoops at Kentucky and seeing if he wants to go to a place that's all about football all the time and not have to deal with John Calipari talking about it being a basketball school and not have to recruit against that. Um, those are three of the names I've seen. Another one is Lance Leipold, who's doing a good job at Kansas. He's interesting because he coached at Nebraska from 01 to 03, and he, I believe he's from the area originally. He then went to Nebraska-Omaha for 10 years, and then he took, he as an assistant, he went to Wisconsin-Whitewater and won six national championships in Division Three at Wisconsin-Whitewater, went to Buffalo. He left when they were in the top 25 at Buffalo, to rebuild Kansas. He beats Texas in year one at Kansas. He just beat West Virginia in overtime. It's a great win. Kansas is the worst program in FBS by a mile over the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, you work your way up Since from Mark there, Mangino. I mean, yeah, I think Nebraska fans wouldn't be excited about that, but they could do a lot worse than Lance Leipold. And I think he would absolutely take the job and leave Kansas to go to Nebraska. So, those are a few names that that have stuck out to me. The other, the the assistant coach that's getting a lot of play right now, which I don't think Nebraska is going to want to hire an unproven assistant right now, is uh, Jim Leonard, who spent time in the NFL as a safety, who's the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. So, I think he's 38 years old, younger guy, 38, 39. Anyway, look, I think Nebraska is going to have some solid choices. Um, but it's going to be as much about Nebraska selling themselves to some of those top
2: names as the other way around. We'll get into uh, Tennessee Pitt uh, as well as uh, Kentucky and Florida. Bama holds on. A&M. Notre Dame. They fall to a group of five school. Arkansas topping South Carolina. Uh, briefly, though, before we, we transition to more college football, what what'd you guys make of the, the Baker quote-unquote revenge game And how that all played out. Because initially it was Cleveland controlling the game. Carolina gets back in it. Baker was able to turn some things on. And ultimately, this is a... It's a very average and pedestrian Panthers roster. They missed a ton of tackles. I think Matt Rule, you mentioned Matt Rule. I think he said at his presser yesterday evening that his defense, or it may have been this morning, I'm trying to remember where I read this, 18 missed tackles total in the game. And this is a defense that has been primarily built since he got there. And the Browns were running all over them with the missed tackles yesterday by Carolina. I thought that Baker Mayfield um,
0: did a lot to, to prove the Browns right for getting rid of him.
2: Well, his start, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, he made some plays late, and he showed some moxie, but, I mean, a couple of those throws, one of those picks was just, and he's kind of looking up at the receiver, and I'm thinking, dude, you threw it right to a safety. Like, there's nothing that receiver could have done on any route that would have made that any different. Um, Disappointing, very, very disappointing start for Carolina. I really thought that you were going to get highly motivated Baker Mayfield playing well, and they could beat a Jacoby Brissett-led Browns team at home in week one, they couldn't get it done. Matt Rule's not gotten it done. That's why I think Matt is going to be a great college coaching option for someone next year.
1: Cleveland shaped this game exactly like you want, right? 39 carries for 217 yards, 5.6 a carry. Chubb was at 6.4 a carry. Where was Hunt? Hunt, uh, 11 for 46, 4.2. He had a 24-yard touchdown. Um, Brissett is the only one of my four props that I missed. You said it. Played safe, no interceptions, yeah, was uh, good. but he had a 74 passer rating. McCaffrey only had 10 carries for 33 I, yards. They held him down to next to nothing. Uh McCaffrey made game, a couple, had four for 24. Yeah,
2: but he made, he made one, and I don't know. If,
1: His this long was nine.
2: He picked up some fumble that had no business. Baker Mayfield drops the snap, and somehow McCaffrey comes up with it. And and makes a big play and gets them back into a game. So he made some impactful plays.
1: Recovery. Mayfield dropped the ball four times.
2: It was. I mean, it,
1: he recovered it four times. It took to the Browns.
2: A, it was a 58 yard field goal that won it. So I mean, that, let's also put that in perspective. Carolina was up, and then a 58 yard field goal won it for Cleveland. But the Browns in the longest week one winless streak in the NFL. In NFL history,
1: we were at one of those games.
2: 17 straight games up until yesterday. Only four current players were in the league the last time the Cleveland Browns won in week one.
1: We were there for a Titans Browns opener. Was Mayfield the starter in that year? Yes. I think it was his second year, maybe. Hugh Jackson's. Can we get some
0: next gen stats on Cade York's 58 yard field goal and what it would have been good from? 75? The thing hit the top of the net
1: it was on a line very drive good from
0: 58 pitch. yards. I've never seen anything like it. It was a rocket. That thing is moving, and it's like a slice, yep. like, a, like a, tee, a tee shot on the way in, and it hits, I mean, at least halfway up the net, 58 yards. Yeah,
1: he's, he's getting drug tested this week. That's the thing about Cincinnati's <laughs> so long, loss. <laughs> Cincinnati's loss with the backup long snapper mm-hmm. costing them the game is they well, lose to Pittsburgh. And then the Ravens win, and the Browns win. They're lone at the bottom of the division. Everybody else won. And we
2: we, we overreacted. Uh, I, I say we I to Cleveland's loss in Week One last year on the road in Kansas City, where it was a shootout. Yeah, and that was a Kansas big City won. Game. Um, but we were all but saying but the man, Browns look, were like, man, the Browns—they're going to be great. They look really good. So they get this win. But this one, I, we should have brought this up when we were saying that one and zero feels a bit different, even though you can't buy into much with Week One. Because this is really just keeping it together until Watson's available. And then you're wild card worthy. So this is one of those games that you could look back on and say, look, they're, they're at 500. It's, it's been an ugly 500, but they're in the mix. And I don't think many people think they're going to be whenever tw- Week 12 rolls around against Houston.
1: Well, I think those three teams in their division are a lot better than Carolina, all of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Carolina's going to wind up being pretty bad.
2: Well, Matt Rule, Matt Rule or Mike McCarthy out first. Does Dak Prescott's injury – we'll ponder this later. Does Dak Prescott's injury help or hurt Mike McCarthy this year in season? Um, and what, what do the Cowboys I, I think do it
0: only, quarterback? It only hurts him because well, they sucked on offense with him in the game, in game
2: one too. We will uh, get in it happened in the fourth quarter right we will get into that plus uh, Kentucky over Florida Tennessee over Pitts we recap some SEC matchups next on our kick 360. get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom
0: Brady a Netflix live event happening May 5th.
2: Glad you're listening across our radio network. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Kentucky gets it done in the swamp. And Richardson reverted to the mean. Great week one, really bad against that Kentucky defense. A big win on the road for the Wildcats and Mark Stoops as they win by 10. And they leave everyone that was at the Swamp shocked.
1: Kudos to Kentucky. I said that they needed a performance like that to back up all the talk. And they did exactly what, what I was clamoring for. And um, I think uh, you know, going forward, uh, you know they, they need to do it against Tennessee, too, to really back it up. But, but for right now, they are what they've claimed to be. And, and uh, I give them credit for
2: it. And last week at this time, my reaction to the Utah loss was, Florida looked great. And at the end, by December, we will look back on that matchup and judge Utah differently than what we did the day after the game, which was Florida looked great because they're going to have multiple losses throughout the season. Anthony Richardson, he's not a five-star quarterback. He's a five-star athlete. For sure. But he's not a five-star quarterback. And if he, a five-star quarterback wins that game and comes up with some of those big plays that he just flat-out missed on. He doesn't throw pick sixes the way he did. Uh, to no one but a Kentucky corner. Great play by Jordan Wright
0: on that one, but yeah, that was not good. Um, I come away from that game impressed with Kentucky athletically. I mean, their defense is legit, and they're going to be able to win some ugly games. So I come away impressed with their ability to win a pretty ugly game. I just don't have any more faith in Will Levis than I did coming into that game. I just don't see it offensively with Kentucky. Now, they're going to look better. They have some weapons on offense. Chris Rodriguez, we find out today, is going to be back October 1st against Ole Miss. So they're going to have some weapons offensively. They can run the ball. Um, So they're going to be really good, and that's a huge win for them in the Swamp. But it's not like watching that game, I come away thinking, all right, Will Levis is the best quarterback in the SEC behind Bryce Young, and Kentucky is right there behind Georgia and Alabama. I come away from it thinking, If I'm putting a hierarchy of the East right now, it's Georgia, than Kentucky clearly right now because Kentucky's got the banner win on the road at Florida. But I'm still not overly impressed with Will Levis and, and his quarterback play. But man, oh man, Kentucky's defense looked tough in that game. And Mark Stoops, he can come up with a defensive game plan and he had the game plan for Anthony Richardson who was throwing missiles into the dirt most of the night and could not do anything passing the football.
1: And we'll get to Tennessee, but I think in your stratification there, they, they gain a little gap with Tennessee because Tennessee, because of what Tennessee didn't do.
2: According to ESPN stats and info, Richardson, nine of 22 for 44 yards with two interceptions on passes thrown wow. 10 or fewer yards downfield. <laughs> That's awful.
1: Yeah.
2: And so it, the answer is one or the other, either. Either. Richardson is just a solid athlete, but not a very good quarterback. Or the Kentucky defense is on par with Georgia. And I do not believe it's on – That the answer no, is the latter. it's ladder.
1: not on par with Georgia.
2: So, if you – But it's good. You know, it, it, it's a bit of fool's gold with what we saw. If you have a solid defense and you're able to corral him – he had like, what, four yards rushing in this game? Well, he – after having 106 against Utah?
0: Kentucky has a defense that has the caliber of athlete where you can stop Anthony Richardson from running all over you. There's not a ton of defense in the SEC where that's going to be the case. So I do think Florida is still going to look not maybe as good as they did against Utah, but they're going to have some really good Saturdays because someone's not going to be able to corral Anthony Richardson. He's going to have 160 rushing yards, and they're going to win the game. So that was my takeaway from Kentucky was defense is extremely athletic and can corral someone like Anthony Richardson that wants to run with a good game plan. They're good in the secondary. They've been opportunistic on defense under Mark Stoops. They continue to be so. But I also don't think Kentucky right now has the offense to win in a shootout with a really good offense on the other side. If they play Tennessee right now, would not be shocked if Tennessee wins the same way they did a year ago against Kentucky. Because Tennessee would have the offense most weeks where they're going to put up points against a team like Kentucky. Again, Kentucky's got the most impressive win so far this season, so they slide into that
2: second spot in the East, but I'm not overly impressed with Will Levis. And now they have two weeks to tinker and work with the offense a bit before they face Ole Miss in Oxford on October the 1st. So they have a little bit of time here based on their schedule, but they, they go to the Swamp, went on the road, no one was picking them based on the way Florida was playing and the way we saw Kentucky struggle a bit in week one. That's a great road win for them. And I don't think many people saw that type of effort coming from Florida's offense after what we saw the week prior. And it's, a, it's one of those season-defining wins. It felt a lot like it was a struggle. It wasn't the same type of game. But the Missouri-Kentucky game last year, Chad, in week two, it felt a bit like, okay, this could go either way. And then Florida came out and wasn't able to do anything the second half. Well, it just no, no points in the second half. To me, it's just it's crazy watching it because years and years of history of Kentucky
0: being also ran in the SEC against a program like Florida. And, I mean, Kentucky just looks like the better program the last two years. Yeah. They're the ones not making key mistakes at home and winning a sloppy game. The next year, it was another sloppy game, I thought, Saturday night. But Kentucky has the same level of athlete on both sides of the ball, they made the big plays. They look like a team that went down there expecting to win, mm-hmm. not hoping to win, expecting to win. So just super impressed with with the program that Mark Stoops has built and a team that's capable of beating Kentucky, or beating Florida in back-to-back years for the first time since the late 70s. That's happened for Kentucky against Florida.
1: Stoops was classy after that game about tying uh, or surpassing Bear Bryant. I like the I like the way he handled that come, coming off the field.
2: Um, yeah, and I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because he, he was—he uh, doesn't like to mention personal achievements, but you could tell he knew it. And, it, and he had to lot. address it
1: to some degree. No doubt. And he did.
2: So Florida, I believe they have South Florida this coming weekend. Yes. And they can't overlook them, of course, but now they get Tennessee in, in a couple of weeks. Tennessee wins 34-27 over Pitt. A very strange game. Tennessee clearly altered their game plan in the second half when, when Pitt had to go to their backup quarterback. And I give Pitt a lot of credit. Pitt didn't look that great. No, I mean Roster-wise, I mean... Look, this is what impressed me
0: about Pitt and, and Pat Narduzzi, and, and I know the broadcast talked about this also. It's a culture built on guys that football matters to them. It matters to him. Like, the football is, you know, the old 90s T-shirts, you know, cheer is life. Basketball is life. Football is life. Yeah. That's the way that program plays, like I watch them, and it's a tough-minded level of football, and they play very hard, and that's a credit to Pat Narduzzi and, and the program he's built. And they do have talent. I don't think they have Tennessee-level talent, quite frankly, but they've got a lot of talent well, they did on that roster. Yeah, Oh, they did a year ago, and, and it was there was so many. I, I thought similarities from you know the season before where. You just felt like, okay, it's going to come down to one big turnover or one big play, and then it did with the muff punt by Tennessee and Pitt capitalizes. But, oh, then Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman make a play. Those are two great players just making a play in overtime. And then it came down to Tennessee's defense just being smart and knowing that they didn't have much of a chance to throw the football in that game and getting after the both quarterbacks consistently, knocking Slovis out of the game – and then Patty coming in. Tennessee's going to look back on this, and I think if you watch that game, especially that third quarter, where they could get nothing going offensively, most of that second half, just no rhythm. I never felt like they had that rhythm, other than a couple of series in the second quarter, where they look like Tennessee offensively. But they got to be thrilled that they went on the road, beat a top 20 opponent in a game that they didn't play well offensively. Now, I don't think they played well defensively, save a couple plays in that first half. But then they put it together in the second half against a team that at that point was inferior to them on offense. They got to feel great about it.
1: I laud what they did defensively, Um, and of course you take the win and all of that. But I I think you got to be discouraged that they couldn't get anything anything going. I I mean, it just was a slog, and it was they were living on a razor's edge there for too long. Against inferior quarterbacks, I don't think the starter's particularly good. I don't think he was particularly good against West Virginia when he got sacked. I thought five he was times. good in this
0: game because he was getting hit in the face and dropping dimes well, to guys. Uh, that's re- what I'm repeatedly. saying,
1: though. He's there to be hit in the face repeatedly and to be knocked out of the game. The backup, you know, is is limping around there, and you can't put him out of his misery either. And it just was a game begging to be taken, and the fact that they couldn't take it. I felt like revealed something about their insufficiency. Yeah, but well, it, again, unlike, I, uh, but I, I feel
0: the it, same
2: about Tennessee, though. Like,
0: I mean, no, that's it, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, but the, but they they found a way. I mean, they still eventually. Yeah, it felt a lot like
2: Purdue, where they beat themselves, and in this case, they won despite that, and that there was a, a different feeling at the end of it because they actually ended up winning this game. And the the thing I at least like about what I saw from Tennessee's defense is their their identity to pressure the quarterback. At least they can point to something. 16 quarterback pressures, uh, what do they have, four sacks, nine tackles on the quarterback there. Again, um, it, it's not much, but it's. I, I saw more in this game than I did from the defense a year ago.
0: Well, I, yeah, I, me too. Uh, not good early, but they figured it out in, that, in the second half. But Hendon Hooker, he won SEC Offensive Player of the Week in this game. <laughs> Just going to surprise a lot of people. He started three for eight. He was 27 for 42, completed 64% of his passes, 325 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He added to his school record of completions without throwing an interception in this game. Guys, he missed two touchdowns Mm -hmm. that would have been big swings this game where he looked like Joe Milton a year ago against Pittsburgh. He just sailed it a couple times with guys streaking wide open in that Josh Heupel offense. And then Cedric Tillman dropped one that was going to be a touchdown in the end zone that's very un-Cedric Tillman-like. So it's a weird game And that I come away from, and I saw that news, I think, really? Hendon Hooker was the offensive player of the week in the SEC? Because Tennessee missed a number of opportunities in that game, and they just refused to put Pitt away. The Jalen Wright fumble, the muff punt. If they just catch that punt up seven, you feel like they're at midfield, and they're going to do get a first down or two, and the game's probably going to be
2: iced. At that point, the way Pitt was playing offense. Is this so, the
1: slowest that they've played in the second half? Oh, I,
2: it was, I, I think there was a concerted effort to slow some things down, which I applaud. I mean, yeah, that, they, they, they talked about it a lot, but even Heupel said, you know, we're going
0: to play fast, but playing fast relies on the first play working. And when it's second and 11, when they ran the ball on most first downs or tried something, when they
2: get to third and eighth, they're going to slow it down. And they're going to try to get in the right play call at that point. Their part. biggest issue, it sounds crazy, because of how efficient they are throwing the football, is their run game. Oh, you know, yeah. they, they uh, Man, it is a struggle to find any consistency there. And, and it shouldn't and be. It looks like a glaring miss in the transfer portal it, by the staff. And
0: it should not be because a year ago, they were second in the SEC in rushing offense. They get Jabari Smallback, who's 15 pounds heavier. Jalen Wright looks better physically. They lose Tyon Evans, who is a great talent transfers to louisville um they got to figure something out they got four offensive linemen coming back i there's not one thing you can point to and say well that's why they're not running the ball they just need to be better they should be better running the football than they are right now they were not good against pitt rushing the ball and pitt was not good against west virginia against the run so that's that's a concerning part about this is you can't just rely you've got good weapons at receiver and you got a good quarterback
2: you can't just go into every game relying on that to work. The the thing I, I like about Hooker, even though you know he, he was not great in this game by any means, uh, Chad mentioned the stats. He starts three for eight. He finishes twenty four of this last thirty four. Uh, not great, but at least you know going into a ball game, he's not going to lose you the game. Zero turnovers in this game, and his last nine games, five of his last nine games have come against ranked opponents. He's completing 67% of his passes. He's averaging 9.4 yards per attempt, and he's accounted for 26 touchdowns and two interceptions. That is why you can build off of things despite uh, some defensive struggles, albeit in a a defense that looks like they're trying to build an identity with just all-out war against the quarterback and a run game that, I don't think is going to improve anytime soon and could be a reason why um, you can't slow – you can't, you can't uh, run clock because incompletion doesn't help you, but at the same time, you're not going to move the chains well, with your run A few things he needs to do more
0: of moving forward. One, they cannot defend the middle of the field. Couldn't a year ago. Can't now in the passing game. Then work that against other teams. If we all agree they can't do it, th- there's a reason for that. It's hard to defend when you spread guys out a lot – to defend crossing patterns, slants, things like this, deep in cuts, however you want to do it. I can recall Tennessee completing one pass over the middle, and that was the little fake pop pass to Jacob Warren for the big play mm-hmm. to the tight end at one point. They need to work the middle. Another, Brew McCoy needs more touches. He had a good game. He had the big touchdown to oh, get Tennessee started in this one. Yeah. But, I mean, if you want a guy that could work the middle of the field at his size – Tennessee needs to test. I want I, That's all I need to see more from Hooker. He's done everything else. He can throw the deep ball. He can throw the quick, you know, the, the screen pass, the outside. They run over and over again. I want to see him complete passes across the middle of the field. He had a couple sail on him that was too high for the receiver. I want to see more of that out of Tennessee's offense.
1: We just got uh, rules for next year's Major League Baseball to shorten the games. Do we not need something to shorten this game? I mean, that game – was forever
0: the TV timeouts the,
1: the game was t- too
0: long couple absolutely reviews. but there were there were the reviews were too long there were I think more than a couple in the game also reviews went really long I find that watching college football on Saturdays I need to probably look it up and see if there's any data to, 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 to support this commercial breaks feel longer than they were a year ago like I'm going I, I'm watching the Tennessee game and cutting over watching Notre Dame and, and Marshall. And then I go back to the recording, and I will go fast forward to three, and there's still a commercial going after watching two plays of that. And then I come back, and finally
2: they're back in the game. Commercial breaks feel way too long. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Coming up, we'll hear from Josh Heupel on this matchup against Pitt, and we'll look ahead. We'll peek ahead to the upcoming matchups on the SEC slate. We'll continue to go through Alabama-Texas. Arkansas topping South Carolina and more. This is Outkick 360.
1: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster say? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May
0: 3rd.
2: Rated PG-13. Josh Hypel was fired up about all the orange that was in attendance at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh? Here's Coach Hypel after the game. For our fans that traveled here, the amount of orange that was inside of that stadium and in particular in the game that's honoring Coach Majors too. Like uh, that was awesome to see and uh, players and, and staff and myself uh, appreciate um, the efforts that uh, our fan base makes. The celebration looked great. Social media for people that were there and of course with Hypel and the players. Uh, It looked looked like a blast.
0: I got a text from a buddy who was in the stadium that I will not name on this show uh, that was sent to a group. Name, name. And said, so we were an absolute menace in that stadium. (laughs) Despite being a collection of 40 to 50-year-olds, we got into three fights and had two kicked out, in parentheses, besides the fights. So three kicked out for
2: fighting, two others just kicked out for other reasons. I I was a bit surprised at the empties, though, at the overhead shot of the stadium. I'll be honest. Yeah, And like the upper top, deck. Top. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wasn't, uh,
2: I was amazed at how many uh, just Tennessee fans were just
0: blended in. There was no real section. Yeah. It was like they were just everywhere in the lower bowl with all the Pitt fans side by side. Hence my buddy getting in and his group getting into a bunch of fights. You're in my seat.
1: These guys don't want to fight.
0: My, my These were uh, some old frat brothers of mine. They want to fight. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, they, and they That's did. one thing they really enjoy doing. Did. And still, in the end of their 40s, they still really enjoy fighting. Everywhere you no go, you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready.
1: No, no ejections?
0: Uh no. Three five got ejected. Three got into fights and ejected. Two others were ejected for other reasons uh, that we were not we not privy public to. Public urination? Possibly. <laughs> I mean <laughs> you never that happens. Know, That's my first guess. So that happens, happens everywhere. Know. Yeah. From Neil to Hines. I'll tell you guys off air no why
2: one was thrown out of the game. No more Hines. Hutt. Uh, what is
1: it? I don't know what it is. And until I
0: know, it's I know what it, is. it, it's Heinz Field. A- Shore
1: stadium? Is that well, it? Look yeah. at you. Well,
2: they they retain some type of
1: Well, they're still the official name. condiments of the stadium. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> the stadium with the official condiments what if, presented
1: uh, by
0: Hines. What if
1: condoms and condoms?
0: The people at Hines <laughs> just bought every concession around there instead of buying the name rights and just put like a big Hines bottle over the concession so it's still. On everyone's mind when they walk around
2: the
1: concourse. Oh, it's still on everyone's mind. Marcus
2: Freeman, man, what a uh, what a really bad start for Notre Dame. They lose 26 21 to Marshall. And he was he may have just come out and said this. I was reading what he was alluding to prior to kickoff, where he said he was looking forward to getting his first win as the Irish head coach. And then Marshall won. And F's all around for the Irish. Here's Freeman postgame. We all have to look at ourselves, starting with the head coach on down, and say, okay, what do I have to do? What do we have to do to fix the issues that we're having? And, and not just focus on the end result. We have to look at the lack of executions in, in all phases of our team.
1: There, There's such a movement in coaching in general. Give me this camera here. To look away from the result. There, there was some of this uh, in... In uh, football, morning in America again. Just, just concentrate on the play. Not even the result. You're not even allowed to look at the result of the play. You just look at the play. Better yet, the result of the game, guys. You're not allowed to think about the result of the game. Is this a healthy thing in sports? Like when we played sports, and I'm not pretending like we played in anything close to college football or in in professional sports. But isn't there some Some of it is about like looking at the scoreboard and knowing, hey, we're down 10 and we need to we need two scores here or something like it seems to me to take part of it. They tell you they want you to have fun. Well, what's the fun in not knowing the context of where you are and narrowing yourself so much that you're only going to think about this play and you're not going to think about the result of the play. You're only going to think about what you're doing on that play. To me, that almost makes it like—I I don't know—you're you're laying brick.
0: Well, it, it's what you say when you lose. I mean, this is as this a is,
1: twenty and a half point favorite.
0: Yeah, this is what losers say you know, when you lose the contest. But I also get it because you're not going to come out and say, "Boy, you know, we laid an egg and we lost as a big favorite, and I don't know where to go from here." Uh, that we're 0 two, and I'm 0 three as a head coach, and we are defeated. Right now, I mean, if you're a coach, your whole job is to make sure your team stays together. So, what you say after a loss is, hey, we got to focus on the process of getting better and not harp on this loss or that loss and move forward, worrying about a process that will eventually net wins. He didn't say the net wins part of it, but that's he knows that's what he's judged on. But I think I'll say this about Notre Dame fans too haven't seen as many Brian Kelly jokes about them and him leaving because this offseason when he had the fake Southern accent and we had fun with it too, a lot of Notre Dame fans took great glee in Brian Kelly. And I'm thinking, Brian Kelly doesn't look so bad right now, does he? Well, When your young coach is still trying I, to figure things out. I don't out. think
1: you guys are wrong in saying that's coming from from coaches trying to build from losing to winning. But it is said more broadly by coaches, period, I, I find that you're not supposed to regard the the result and not even the game result the series result or the play result and just concentrate on the thing which to me makes it almost like a and and i understand it is kind of a manual labor thing but it takes like the thing that makes it not manual labor out of it and turns it into manual labor and these guys aren't looking to get into manual labor are they
2: well keep this
1: in mind it's a
0: lot of people mimicking uh nick saban too
2: with the if I have a stuff. slogan about football in general, at any level, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. The perception of Marcus Freeman losing to Ohio State is a lot different, yeah, than what he's saying oh at the podium head. after Marshall. It's one to watch for sure. We hit the headlines across the NFL next, and now kick 360.